He was back where he had started, still a soldier. A less-than-sensational rise had brought him to staff sergeant from private in a quarter of a century. He was older, but how much wiser he could not guess. All he knew was that he was in the same army. He had rejoined after life had promised him nothing better, and he was still there letting it look after him, waiting like those regulars he had so mocked in the old days for his pension. And it was the same place. The British were getting out, and he was the one who had been sent to see that the doors were locked and the lights extinguished. It was poetic that he should have been sent, for he was the ghost of other days. The army he had so despised had returned him once more to the scenes of his happy, sad, and fearful youth. He was back in Panglin. Chapter 2 The increase in national service is bound to cause disappointment and hardship. It is bound to be unpopular. Clement Attlee in a broadcast at the start of the Korean War, 1950. Tasker, naked as an onion, sat on his bed in the barrack room. He was crying. On the adjacent beds, the other young soldiers crouched, leaning towards him with morose interest and understanding. Lantry, Sandy Jacobs... Gravy Browning, a ball bouncing minutely on his table-tennis bat, Foster and Villiers, their young faces creased with concern, their hands just touching. Despite his year in Singapore, Tasker had never been one for taking off his shirt. His face was the same iodine colour as the others, so were his arms to above the elbows. But the rest was bald white skin, his chest sewn with a few poorly nourished ginger hairs, his loins sprouting a slightly better yield. His eyes were red. His penis hung like a limp lighthouse. He was a poor sight. Briggs's boots sounded up the concrete stairs and scraped along the balcony. He came at a slouch through the door and stopped. He regarded the weeping Tasker for a while. The other heads turned. "'What's up with him?' asked Brig. He's crying, shrugged Lantry. Jesus wept, sighed Brig. I can see that. What's he crying for? He wants to go home, answered Lantry hopelessly. He's had a few drinks, Brigsy, put in Villiers with his lisp. Brig screwed up his face. Roll on, he muttered wearily, walking towards the sniffling Tasker. Wants to go home? Well, if that's the case, let's all have a bleeding boo. He took his friend's shoulder quietly. Tasker sat up like a bereaved dog. Come on, mate, said Brig. We all wanted to go home, but now we're not going. He tried to sound convincing. It's only an extra six months. The very naming of the period set Tasker off on another drunken moan that lengthened to a howl. Brig backed away from the beery cloud he emitted. Pack it up, son, or you'll have us all at it, he pleaded. We're lumber just like you. He moved forward again and attempted almost fatherly encouragement. Come on, buck up. Be a man. You're a soldier. At this, Tasker looked up very slowly, like the minute hand of a clock, tear-stained astonishment spreading over his face. A soldier, he croaked. I know I'm a soldier. That's why I'm crying, you born bloody loony. 
Brig, knowing there was no answer, sat heavily on the nearest bed and regarded the white, weeping youth. Dejection filled his heart and drained into his boots. Around him the other conscripts sat with their abandoned faces. The customary heat pressed in from the barracks square, and above them on the ceiling the big fans circled on their endless journey. Home was very far away, beyond dog-eared coasts, upturned mountains, and the enormous alien sea, over the last horizon of the world. Brig had dreamt a dream where he crossed each succeeding skyline, jumping them like hurdles, only to find that at the last leap he was back where he had begun, Panglin Barracks, Singapore. Girls, real, clean, understandable, understanding girls, were there at home in England waiting. Girls with eyes wide open, clear, not looking at you through slits.